he'll forget names, he'll forget people, he'll forget where he is. You know, people would get frustrated with him, like, what's wrong with Nobody thinking that it was a neurological disease that was coming. Alzheimer's is a big word. I'm a little reluctant to get into that part of it only because I don't know much about it. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. Marty Schottenheimer is one of the most legendary figures the game of football has ever seen. He played linebacker professionally in the AFL for six years before going on to become the seventh most winningest coach in NFL history. He coached his last game in 2006. Since then, he spent a lot of time on Lake Norman, just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. He also manages to get in a couple rounds of golf each week. Marty recently turned 74, but earlier this year, at the age of 73, he accomplished a feat many golfers only dream of. He shot his own age. On the surface, it looks like a picture-perfect retirement. But it's the challenge that most do not see that has shaped him and his wife Pat's lives the most. Our Michelle Beisner-Buck has the story. Those two little letters, W-E-WE, those two little letters, U-S, us, they're powerful. They're powerful. Great job. That's it. Marty Schottenheimer spent 41 years in professional football as a player and a coach. His head coaching stops included Cleveland, Kansas City, Washington, and San Diego. He ranked seventh all-time with 200 regular season wins. And in the 1990s, no head coach won more games than Marty. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Marty's unforgettable mantras and coaching style left a permanent mark on the game of football. For those that don't know, what is Marty Ball? Marty Ball. Basically, it is run the ball, don't throw interceptions, don't fumble the ball, and then at the end of the day, if you are able to do those things, you're going to win a bunch of games. Do you have a favorite game that you coached? No, I'd be... Mark? While Marty searched to find an answer to our question, his wife, Pat, who was sitting off to the side during our interview, helped with an idea. How about the game in Denver with Elway versus Montana? Monday night football. Now you're talking about football. <laughs> in 1994, John Elway's Denver Broncos met Marty's Kansas City Chiefs, led by Joe Montana. And Elway had a quarterback run, and it's a touchdown. Yeah. That means the Chiefs have to get into the end zone. With a minute 29 left in the fourth quarter and down by three, Elway scored on a four-yard run to give Denver a 28-24 lead. But Montana would upstage that comeback with a five-yard strike to Willie Davis with eight seconds left on the clock. And touchdown by Davis. Immortalized as one of the most memorable games in Monday Night Football history. Lord, you can take me now. I've seen it all. What do you remember about that game? 
Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember a whole lot about it. The 2006 season marked Marty's last as an NFL head coach. And as he began settling into retirement, his wife, Pat, began to notice changes in her husband of 50 years. It came very, very slowly. You know, when you know somebody so well, and you know their habits, and you know what, because they don't know. I think he thought he was just maybe getting older. He'll forget names, he'll forget people, he'll forget where he is. You know, people would get frustrated with him, like, what's wrong with you? Nobody thinking that it was a neurological disease that was coming. Doctors revealed the life-changing diagnosis to Marty. What did the doctor finally tell you you were dealing with? Alzheimer's is a big word, and uh, I'm a little reluctant to get into that part of it only because I don't know much about it. What do your days look like? I might get one cup of coffee in me before I, particularly in Pennsylvania, you know, it's freezing out there in the morning. In, right. On Sunday, paper, and, uh, but, uh... In the middle of Marty's answer, Pat helped him get back on track. We're not in Pennsylvania anymore. We're in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And you haven't been in Pennsylvania for a long, long time. That's a good point. So kind of, kind of try to stay focused on now. Okay. That's my girl. That's your girl. You She's bet. taking care of you, of course. Yeah. We just make life easy for him as best we can. The kids know not to let him out of their sight. If he gets up and saying, you know, I'm going to the men's room, one of the boys will jump up. I'm going with you, Papa. We've just continued to go with him. And the deeper we get into this, the more we all pull together. Pat reveals the hardest part of seeing her husband battle this disease. Watching him not be able to understand how many people love him and admire him. My part's easy. My part's just loving him and taking care of him. His part is the hard part because he can't do everything the way he used to do it. One of Marty's coaching mantras stressed making the complex simple. It's one play at a time. When it's over, it's over and go to the next one. It's the only play you can do anything about. One play at a time, one game at a time, one step at a time. You cannot plan because you don't know what's coming next. So we absolutely live one day at a time. Life is good. My life is good. I love coaching it. I love football. But they all pale in comparison to the one I love the most, that one. My wife.
When we come back to the SC Featured Podcast, I'll talk to Michelle Beisnerbach about her sit-down with Marty Schottenheimer. But first, if you're listening to us in Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can always send you an alert every time we have a new episode. We'll be right back. We just love him so much. We are always going to take care of him. We don't hide it. We tell everybody that Marty has Alzheimer's. Welcome back to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta, joined now by Michelle Beisner-Buck, who reported on this incredible story. Michelle, it is so obvious that Pat and Marty have this incredible love affair that has lasted now 50 years. Let's start at the very beginning. How did the two of them meet? I would love to tell that story, Jen, but I, I, I believe that it's better told by Pat herself. We were both seniors in college, and we were down at Daytona Beach, Florida, 19... 19- 65, Daytona Beach, Florida, spring break, Easter Sunday. Uh, This man comes over and sits down next to me, and we visit. He invites me to go to dinner that night, and I thought, this man is nice. You know, I like him. So I accepted his invitation to go to dinner, went back to the room, and I did my hair and, you know, put the contact lenses in, whole business. Uh, About 7 o'clock, my friends had gone for dinner, and I waited for my date to pick me up. There was a knock on the door. I opened the door, and this good-looking man can still tell you what he had on. Uh, yellow sh- yellow shirt, had his square sunglasses, dark slacks, big, big thick neck. He was player then. Um, and he goes, hey, I'm Marty. Is Patty here? I said, well, I'm the only one here right now. Well, where did they go? I said, well, they've all gone for dinner. When will they be back? And I said, well, they'll be back probably in 20 minutes, half an hour. Okay, I'll come back. I said, okay. And he left. Well, I, I know what I told her after the fact. I said, you know, there was a reason that I, you know, didn't really recognize you at the outset. And she said, yeah, okay. And I said, well, you, you understand why? No. What is it? I said, well, you know, that bathing suit, two-piece, whatever they call it. Bikini? Or- Bikini. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, she was, she was honed in. So you couldn't focus on her face. I, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> That's what I need, somebody to give me some help here. And I didn't know whether he was teasing, whether he was just obnoxious, or whether he was a bozo. Turns out he was a bozo, because half an hour later, he comes, he knocks on the door again. He says, hey, Marty, is Patty back yet? And they said, she's right here. And he looked at me, he goes, you're Patty? And I go, I'm Patty. So everybody else I knew in Daytona Beach had already had dinner. I was hungry, so I took my girlfriend and he took us both out for dinner, and we had a great time, and that's the man I married a year and a half later. They're just, they're so sweet together, and it's its real beautiful love that you don't see. They were really sweet. Well, and I think we can speak to the fact that covering football games and being involved in this sport, it's, it's challenging from a scheduling standpoint, and I'm certain that that was the case for Marty and Pat as well. Did Pat talk at all about what it was like being married to a football coach? Oh, yeah. She said it has its ups and downs, uh, like anything, but it's definitely, 
it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. It's a very every day. It's it's a new adventure. You know, sometimes it was wonderful. Other times, she said it was awful. It was heartbreaking at times. You know, because she watched Marty work so hard, day in day out, and for hours. You know, I mean, putting in long hours at the office. There were days that she would read the newspaper. You know, she would get up before him, take the sports page, read the newspaper, and depending on what it said, just throw it in the trash. Week to week, he would go from idiot to genius, and it's it's kind of what you get. But their family has always remained really positive, really close, really connected. Something that Pat told me that she did early on with her kids, Brian and Kristen, is that she brainwashed her kids. You know, she knew that that as an NFL coach, that they would be bouncing around. So she kind of uh, Jedi mind-tricked her kids, and they were driving down the street one day and, and saw saw a moving van, and she said to her kids, oh, my gosh, look at that, kids. Like, how lucky that family is. They get to move because their daddy got fired. So, <laughs> these, so Brian and Kristen kind of grew up thinking, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing when daddy gets fired and has to move on. It's It's a new adventure. It's a new destination for us. Um, so good for Pat, right, for having having the sense to be able to to just attack that early on. That's a brilliant tactic. I know. And, right? I, and, I, and I wonder if other coaches' wives have heard that along the way and have started implementing that. Because, of course, it's chaotic. And, of course, like you said, it's such a transient business. And it's not just the coaches who are affected, which is something that we oftentimes don't really think about right. when fan bases are clamoring for a coach to be fired. Um, the great thing about Marty is that he was so well-revered and just loved by players. Um, even Ladanian Tomlinson, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, mentioned Marty and Pat. Take a listen. Head coach, Marty Schottenheimer was the best coach I ever had. And we won five division titles. Marty... Would you and your wife, Pat, please stand to be acknowledged? So that was LaDainian Tomlinson gushing about Marty and Pat. Why do you think Marty stood out as a coach, Michelle? I just think, you know, he was such a beloved coach. He's got this sweet smile. He had so much passion for the game, but more so for people. And, you know, his players were his family, and he was invested in every single one of them. He really touched people's lives. And just speaking of that, of the Hall of Fame, Pat told me that when they were there in Canton, that so many people, I mean, it, it just, it was almost never ending, like they were lined up, kept coming up to Pat and Marty and thanking him for, for influencing his life or their lives the way that they had. And I, I think what's great, though, about all of that, you know, these coaches, they, they put so much into their job, right? I mean, it becomes like 24-7, and, and they knew. I mean, they were really good at compartmentalizing where things went. And when it was football season, it was football season. But when it was the off season, it was family time. But Marty did such a great job with such a demanding schedule. He still found time to make it a family affair. And one of the sweetest stories that Pat told me was, their daughter, Kristen, used to go to training camp with their dad. And uh, his his very first year that he was coaching, girls were not allowed at training camp. So Marty actually stayed an extra day so that Kristen could spend the night at training camp. And, you know, I mean, it was things like that. And she loved it. And she learned that playbook inside and out. I mean, 
Pat told me that Kristen probably knows more about football than anyone in the family, and she played too. Like she she was an all star on a on a flag football team, um, you know. And so, but they've always been very very close. They've they've been a very close family unit, and that is what has got them through the best of times and the worst of times. You mentioned how important family time was. We heard Marty's mantras in the piece. Uh, a couple of really good gems. So did good. He have a family. Did he have a family mantra? Yeah. Um, well, you know, they, they had a couple of things that they lived by. And the first one was the fist, right? They found strength in the fist. And that came about when one of their kids was, you know, losing sleep over a test or something. It was something like that. But basically they decided when you put one finger out in the air and you wave it all around and it's all by itself, it's out there. But it's not as strong as it could be. But when you form a fist, there's more strength and there's more power in that. So they would, during any good times, any bad times, whenever they needed support or they needed to rally around each other, they would all come together and say, make your fist. And each finger represented a person in their family, Marty, Pat, Brian, Kristen, and then their dog was the fifth one. And now they have two fists because they have grandchildren and in-laws. So that's pretty cool. And they apply that to this day. And then they had something else called the midnight rule, which is pretty simple, but it's effective. You have until midnight to be sad about something, to to rejoice in something. Mainly it was, you know, to be sad about something. If you were having a bad day, if you lost a game, if you did poorly on a test, if somebody said something to you that affected you in a negative way, you had until midnight to to let it bother you. But after that, new day, new start, and you can't be upset anymore. So really simple kind of principles to live by but it's worked for them and i think i think i'm going to apply it to my life absolutely i mean these are things that we could all we could absolutely all kind of impart on our children and on our loved ones and kind of just be a stronger family unit um how about the schottenheimers with all of this life advice um it was in 2006 that marty retired um, after the season Mm -hmm. did pat start to notice something was different about her husband right away not right away. She told me that it came on slowly, that uh, the symptoms of early onset Alzheimer's came on slowly. They always called Marty the pathfinder because he had such a good sense of direction. And she started to notice that something was going on because he was losing that, right? And he always had such laser focus and he wasn't able to focus as well. And she noticed these things. I think Marty was in a bit more denial about it. And, you know, would blow it off and say, oh, come on, it's I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, come on, Pat, stop. And But I, I think as time went on, I mean, she knew something wasn't right. They they both kind of came to that, that conclusion of reality. And finally, they decided to, they participated in a study of 100 retired NFL players. They were doing a study on their brain. And Marty went through just a, a series and battery of tests. And the doctor sat them down and the doctor said to them, something's wrong. And Marty, you need to go see a neurologist and you need to go see a neurologist now. So they saw a neurologist, they got opinions, but dementias, obviously, there's it's a big umbrella. And it wasn't until they went down to Houston to the Jim Nance Center that they were able to 100% diagnose Marty with Alzheimer's. Michelle, how did the family handle that news? They obviously, when you hear the word Alzheimer's, I mean, that's that's a tough word, right? That's a big word. So there's some sadness, some devastation, maybe um, I, would, I would suspect some fear in that. But I think there was some relief in that, too, because they knew what they were dealing with. 
What I think is really special about the way that they've dealt with it is that they approach this disease, this neurological disorder, with, with humor and heart and light and laughter. And, you know, they've Pat told me they've always been open about their lives. They've always been out there in, in a good way, and they don't hide the fact that Marty has Alzheimer's. When they're out at a restaurant, if they're with people and someone may not know, they tell them. They're not ashamed of it. They don't run away from it. They don't, you know, they don't hide from it, and they think that they need to approach it with light and humor. And, that, you know, an example of that, she, she told me a story about Marty that because he's so used to being on the road all the time that he will still pack a bag, right? Like he's ready to go. He's where, where are we going next? Where's the next game? So sometimes he'll come out with a bag packed and, and Pat will smile and, and just very calmly with patience and love in her heart say, okay, where are we going today, Marty? And I appreciate that. I, I think that there are a lot of different ways and no way is wrong, but I like the fact that they, they don't hide him away or the disease away. They take it one day at a time. They know what they're up against. I have to be clear on this point because Pat was adamant about this. The way that we approach this on a daily basis, that's our choice, the way that we handle it, with love, light, humor, laughter. But we know what we're up against. We know that it is, it's a difficult road ahead, and they're, they're not um, discounting that. They don't think that Alzheimer's is a common cold. You know, I mean, they, they are very well aware of the tough road that's in front of them. But um, they're lucky. You know, Pat told me that it's it's very common for Alzheimer's patients to get frustrated. But Marty's not that way. That Marty is sweet and loving and he's not angry. And they're they're all very fortunate for that. Because Marty is dealing with a neurological disease, the question comes up if football had anything to do with his current diagnosis. Michelle, what did the family say about that? You know, we talked about it a little bit, but the bottom line is, is they don't know. They have no idea uh, with 100% certainty of, of what caused this, of why Marty is dealing with Alzheimer's right now. But they're not focused on that. What they're focused on is how to get through it, how to manage day by day. Michelle, what are Marty's days like now? Pretty simple. You know, I asked, I asked Pat what their, their next year looks like or, you know, if they had anything big planned. And she said, well, I can tell you our neighbors next door are taking an African safari and we won't be doing that. Um, that's just too much. They're social. You know, they, they go to lunch and dinner with friends. He likes to be out in those kinds of situations. But everything in the house, you know, she's she's done a really good job of making it as simple as possible for Marty. Everything is labeled He's got his phone with him constantly, reminders on his phone for where he needs to be next, what's coming up. The the doors on the closet have been taken off so he can find the closet easier. It's just things like that. And Pat is doing this. Pat is has been just a remarkable uh, caretaker for Marty, day in, day out. They don't have help right now. It's all Pat and their family and, and friends that have extended a hand in helping, their, helping them get through different situations with this. And right now, the stage he's in, I mean, you know, memories are starting to fade a bit, uh, but he still recognizes people, and he's still very social and, and overall very happy. What about treatment? Is there any treatment that Marty is undergoing for his Alzheimer's? Yeah, right now he is, um, he's part of um, a drug trial. It's a three-year drug trial, and he's been doing this one for about a year. And... So he's got to get an infusion every month. The infusion lasts about an hour, and then he has to sit there 
for an hour. And and Pat told me that's the hardest part for him, just sitting there. You know, he's not used to sitting still. So that becomes the biggest challenge for Marty um, is just having to sit still through this. But they're they're trying to do everything they can to slow this thing down as best as, as they're able to. We mentioned earlier in this podcast that Marty is an avid golfer. How does that help him through some of the symptoms and, and maybe just through his days? I mean, I think that Marty is... I think he's comfortable on green grass or on turf, right, and where there's a game to be played. And so if he can be – right now it's 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 golf courses. And he's good too, man. Like just a couple of months ago he shot his age, 73. That's pretty good. But <laughs> that's, that's really good. But, you know, I mean, he's that's where he finds comfort. He finds comfort there and safety. And he doesn't golf alone. He golfs with friends, obviously. There's always someone with him. But that's a good place for him to be. That's a safe spot for him. Michelle, for anyone who is battling this disease or who has a family member who is going through this same type of situation, what do the Schottenheimers hope they take away from his story? I think the biggest thing that they've learned about Alzheimer's disease going through it is that it doesn't change the core of a person. They're still who they are. Um, They just can't remember things from time to time. And, you know, every day is kind of a new adventure, right? You have to kind of take it one day at a time. But they still, they still need love. They still need friendship. They need that connection. They need, they need a hug. And that's what Pat told me. You know, she's like, that's what people need to understand about this disease. They're still there. They still need you. So don't, you know, don't, don't leave them. Don't walk away from that. Kind of dive into that even, even deeper than maybe you had before. It's a good lesson in love, right? Definitely. The love story between these two is really impactful. And I think just the dedication and the devotion of this woman who you know, has stood by her husband through difficult times on the football field and now just difficult times in their life journey is something that's so inspiring. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing this story with us, Michelle beisner And thank you to all of you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.